I wanted to just start by saying that God has been faithful to me. It doesn't matter how many times I've failed him, how much I sin, he remains faithful. You know, he says, even when we don't believe, he is faithful. And uh, when my family and I had our accident, my husband was in the hospital in ICU, and they, when he was finally able to write, they brought him his iPad, and he got on Facebook, and one of the first things that he wrote was sitting on the ash heap of God's mercy, and if he never blesses me again, he has already done too much. I have five beautiful children, three beautiful grandchildren, and I have a husband who is not only faithful to us, but has been faithful to God. Um, And I, I just wanted to start by saying that. I don't even know why. I just thought, you know, I just want them to know that God has been so faithful to me. Sometimes when I share a little bit of my testimony, it, it seems like such a tragedy. And I, I kind of feel like the speaker last night said, I don't want to be that, you know. It, but it, it is such a wonderful love, uh, story of God's mercy and his love and, um, and, and our love for one another, my family. So um, many of you were asking, are you going to share your testimony, Ms. Tracy? And I'm, I'm going to try to intertwine it in my lesson today. Um, but you pray for me. This is different for me. This is only the second time I've spoken from my chair. And you talk about self-denial. I needed that last night. It's a very hard thing. So you just pray for me. And um, I love meetings like this. I could just come in and sit with y'all, and we could just sing all day, and I would start crying because it's just such a wonderful feeling to be with a group of ladies that you know love the Lord um, and want to serve Him. And I want to be an encouragement to you today. So pray for me. Pray that God will just guard every word that comes out of my mouth. Um, And that's what it's all about, ladies. You know, God tells us that we should edify one another, that we are to exhort one another, that we are to love each other fervently, um, that we're to provoke one another to good works. We are supposed to be encouraging one another and so much more as we see the day approaching. And I think he's coming very, very soon. So I just want to be an encouragement to you. I know that your time is important and I don't want this to just be a time, you know, wasted. I, I, want it, I, want it, I want us to go away from here to be more effective witnesses for Jesus Christ. So you pray for me. Miss um, Tina kept saying, just be yourself. <laughs> um, and, and that's hard because everything has, re- you talk about my life, I can understand what she means by your life just being um, changed. God has really changed our lives in the last few years, um, but he has been faithful to me and um, I want to say it's an honor to be here. I've so enjoyed the conferences. We've been coming several years, and I've so enjoyed the conferences, and um, I've grown to love Miss Gravely and appreciate her. And I tell you what I wanted to say this morning, it's such a blessing to see her daughters serving the Lord. Uh, Miss Noel has come and spoke for our ladies, and her son-in-law has come and done revivals for us. And it's just such an encouragement to me to see our next generation serving the Lord. And it is an example for my young daughters and, and for the young people that are sitting here. And it's, ju- it's just such a blessing to me. Um, I want to encourage the young ladies that are here to give the Lord your youth. When we had our Christian school in LJ, there was a verse we had in our lunchroom, and it says, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. And then Paul also exhorted Timothy. He said, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. I think it's important young ladies, to give God your, young, your youth. It's going to be gone like this. Noel, these times are going to be so precious you're going to look back on serving God in your Christian school. 
um, I miss that. My husband was a pastor in LJ, Georgia for about 15 years, and we had a small Christian school. And um, then God called us. I know what that's like. We had four children, and God kind of rustled our nest and said, we want you to go into the to missions. And he called us to Sand Mountain Bible Camp, and we went on deputation. And we had four children and $500 a month. And we took a step of faith because we felt like that's where God wanted us. And so, uh, and he was so faithful. Let me say that. Um, you that are on deputation, he was so faithful to meet every need. I cannot go back and show you on paper how God did that, but, but he did. He met every need. Um, pray for me. It's, it might be a little awkward the way I'm going to have to teach this morning. So we put a bench here for me. And my husband graciously put all my notes on the iPad. He said, so you won't be wrestling with your papers. Um, I'm not a speaker. My husband is the speaker. He's, he's so talented. I wish he could come and share with you um, because he just has a way with words. Um, and so you just pray for me because I'm used to teaching children. Uh, in children's church, I teach a junior girls class. My husband's been trying to encourage me to take a ladies class, and I said, I want to do that so bad, but I can't leave my junior girls. And uh, so just pray for me this morning. Um, I didn't entitle my lesson, but I will tell you this. I've only got three short little points for you today. Um, first of all, time is short. Secondly, suffering is sure. And thirdly, God is sovereign. Ladies, I believe with all my heart that time is very short. We, have a, we had a pastor friend, a, a very dear man, Mr. Tate, who pastored in the Trenton area. Some of you may know him that are here with me today. I know Miss Camp knows him. And he pastored for many, many years there. And one of the very last times that I ever heard him preach, he preached a sermon. And there's, I've heard thousands of sermons over my lifetime. You know, I worked in a Bible camp. We would have three services a day. I went to Bible college. So I've heard so many sermons, but very few can I remember exactly the points that they said. And these were his points. He said, life is fragile, life is fleeting, and death is final. And he talked to us about how precious life is and how it's a gift from God. The very breath that we breathe is a gift from God. And he talked about how short life is, that it's just like a vapor. And then he talked about what we were going to do for Christ we needed to do now because once we, we closed our eyes on this side, we had all, everything we could do was done. And you know what, ladies? No doubt time is short. I think the Lord is coming very, very soon. And what we are going to do for Christ, we need to do now. I said I'm not a speaker, but when someone asks, asks you to do something for the Lord, I think it's an honor. You know, I, I tell my girls, even if it's scrubbing the toilets, if you've been given an opportunity to serve Jesus, do it with your whole heart. You know, serve him now. I can remember the days that I was laid up in, not just in the hospital, but at home. I was laid up for several months at home in the bed. In fact, I'd like to mention Miss Tina, uh, one of your members, um, came and helped take care of me. Insurance was squabbling over who was going to pay what, and I had to have home care, and the hospital would not keep me there. And so she was one of the volunteers who came in every week and took care of me and dressed my wounds. And, um, you know, the ladies at that time had to feed me. I couldn't bathe myself. I couldn't feed myself. I, they would have to roll me over. So I got to know these ladies very well, if you know what I mean. And um, I just want to tell her thank you. I, I hugged her last night, and uh, I said, you just don't know what that meant to me for you to do that for me. Sorry, my, my notes just went off. 
my husband should have warned me about that. <laughs> but anyway, time is short. I wrote Proverbs 27, 1 down. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. If there's one thing that the Lord has taught me over the last few years is that our lives can change very quickly. You know, maybe through an, an illness, maybe a diagnosis that you get that takes you by surprise, uh, maybe a death, um, maybe financial difficulties, maybe you have to take care of a sick parent, maybe you have a child with special needs who needs extra attention, you know, maybe it's a wreck. Um, but whatever it is, things can come into our lives that can change our lives completely. And you may say, well, you know, nothing has happened to me that way before, but it's, it, it can and it will. You know how people say you're either going into a storm, you're in a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. You've heard that many, many times, and I believe that. But things can happen, and no, and no matter what it is, if we're not careful when we, when we suffer those kind of things, those kind of tragedies, um, we can start doubting God and doubting who he is. It's very important when you're in a tragedy or in a situation like that that you remember that God is faithful, that he's loving, that he's kind. You know, the Bible says that his mercy is over all of his works, um, that he's working all things together for your good. You know, sometimes we forget what the will of God is for our lives. Um, but in um, Romans 8:29, it says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That is his goal for us, ladies, is to conform us to the image of his son. And you know, sometimes it's really hard to swallow when things come into our lives, that it was in God's plan. Um, I wrote the verse down, Psalms 37, 23, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. If we truly believe God's word, then we have to believe those things that come into our life, even those hard things, even those things that you can't plan for, you cannot prepare for. I loved what she said this morning because we as ladies want to control things. We want to plan things. You know, we need to take care of our children, know they're taken care of, and our household and our husbands, and everything needs to be in order. But there will be times in your life when things happen that you absolutely have no control over. There's nothing you can do except pray and seek his face, and accept his will, whatever it may be. Um, my mother passed away in 2015, and my husband and I were on the way to, to the funeral. It was a beautiful day. I'll never forget what a beautiful day it was. Um, and it was a very, it was sad. She had been battling cancer, and it was a very sad day. But we were very excited because Philip was going to be able to share the gospel with some of my lost loved ones that were going to be there at the funeral. We were just going to have a small funeral at my sister's house just with the family. And so we headed out. We live here in Trenton, Georgia, up on Sand Mountain. And we headed out to Dawsonville, Georgia. And we, we have the same routine when we take long trips. We get in our car. We pray for the Lord to protect us and to guide us. And we did that that morning. And, and it's so funny that the, the, the biggest thing I remember that day was it was just such a beautiful day. The sun was shining. I was excited to hear Philip speak that morning. And we were kind of taking our time. We got, had an early start. Um, but when we got about five minutes from our destination, we were hit head-on by a lady who was on her phone adjusting her GPS. Um, I was looking down at my phone, and all I remember is, is I don't know, have you ever heard a car crash and that sound of metal crunching? And when I looked up, and I, I don't mean to be crude, but the first thing I saw was my, a bone was sticking in the dash of my van, and I thought to myself, 
my life is never going to be the same. And my second thought was, Lord God, help my family be with my family. My third thought was, where did that bone come from? <laughs> that was kind of a scary thing. I'm thinking, okay. And, and I don't know if you've ever been in a car wreck or had an injury, but it's just like the Lord just sends this mercy and this grace. Your body produces that adrenaline. And I was, my first thought was, i got to hide this from my daughters. My daughters were in the back. And I looked over at my precious husband, and he was laying with his head on the steering wheel, and I tried to, to stir him, and he didn't move. And I thought, God, please don't, please don't take him from me. And I looked back. I could hear my little boy screaming. He was only three at the time, and he had just had his surgery. My little boy is seven, and he has Down syndrome, and he had a hole in his heart. So in February of that year, he had to have an occluder where they go into his heart, and they actually seal the hole with, with a, almost like a metal disc. And so he had just gotten that, and um, he was screaming, and I was, I was a little fearful. And, and I looked back, and my daughter Leah was stuck between the, the driver's seat, and she said, Mom, he's okay. He's just scared, and I couldn't get him. He was wanting Mommy, and I couldn't get him. But everything else was very quiet. Um, it was almost like God just gave a peace to us all. I, I thought, well, if I scream at Philip, maybe he'll wake up. And I, I, I tried to stir him again, and he woke up. And he tried, to, he tried to unbuckle himself, and I said, I don't think that's a good idea, honey. And then he just slumped to the pavement. And I remember he looked over at me, and, you know, I always tell people my husband wasn't cursing God or screaming or he was praying, God, help my family. He said the same words I had just said. And then he told me, he said, Tracy, I love you. I love you. But anyway, that day changed our lives completely. And I could share much more with you. But, you know, things come into our lives that, that just turn all our plans upside down. I had just been working a new job. I loved my job. I was a teacher, and I had to give up. I was actually a principal in L.A.J., and then when we moved up to, to Trenton, I had to give all that up. And, you know, my dream was to go back and, and be in administration another day. But I began working in Trenton at the GED Center. It's like me and Miss Camp were talking about last time. The last time we saw each other was the day before our wreck, and I was coming out from a meeting. I think she was going into the library. I was coming out of the library, and I spoke to her that day and the next day is when we headed out for the funeral. Um, but my thoughts this morning were on just yesterday I got a call, and one of our pastors who we served under, his daughter passed away from breast cancer. Just this week, um, we lost a dear friend, Eric Winslow. I don't know if any of you know him, but he had pastored a church for 22 years, and he was out helping his mother, and he had a heart attack and he was gone. My dear friend Gina lost her husband of 32 years, and um, my friend Ethel this summer found out that she had some bleeding behind her eye from diabetes, and within two weeks she was blind in one eye. You know, these things happen. We were speaking for some of the, the deaf people at the retreat this past week, and two of the men that were there shared their story, and one man had just lost his son to suicide, 21 years old, and another gentleman there had lost his son who was only 17, to an accident that happened, a hunting accident. So these things happen. They come into our lives. Um, and, and if we're not careful, it'll make us start doubting God and, and who he is and doubting that he does have a plan for our lives. So when those times come, if anything else I can tell you this morning that I want you to remember is when those times come, remember who God is. He is still sovereign. If we're not careful, you can start doubting or, or losing confidence in that sovereignty of God and forget that he does have a plan, that he does have a purpose in everything that he brings into our lives. 
And that's the most important thing that I could leave with you this morning. That no, what, no matter what happens, my ladies and I did a study on Esther. And I know many of you have done these studies um, a couple of years ago. In fact, right before the wreck. And we talked about how Esther was living in such a dark time under a wicked king, you know, who wanted to, who, um, who, who she was brought in, taken from her family. By the way, Esther was also already an orphan. She had lost her parents. And she was taken into another country. I mean, she was living in, in a very wicked time. And yet, God used Esther to preserve his people. And if you read the book of Esther, it never mentions God. There's no great miracle to speak of. But we know that God was working to preserve his people all through the book of Esther. He was going to do that. But by the way, ladies, whether Esther surrendered to God's will or not, God was going to preserve his people. But because she surrendered to what God had for her, God was able to use her in a great and mighty way in that story. I mean, we all think of Esther as one of the great women of the Bible and what she did to help preserve the nation of Israel. But we have to surrender to his will. Um, I mentioned I had a little boy named Ryan. Um, when we first, we had left our home, Miss Saunders, I, I can relate to that. We'd left our home of 15 years. Two of my daughters were, one of my daughters was at Pensacola Christian um, school, and then my oldest daughter was 15, so she was going to be graduating soon, and it was so hard to leave all of our friends. Um, and so we had made that move up to Sand Mountain. And as many of you know, it, almost a year exactly after we moved to Sand Mountain, the tornadoes came through Trenton and Chattanooga and pretty much destroyed our camp. We lost seven buildings, 2,500 trees were destroyed on our hundred and I think we have 109 acres, right? We had 15 horses, and I mean, it was just so devastating. And um, a few weeks after the, the storm, I was out helping clean up, and I had the task of getting into our pool, which was an indoor pool. It had a building around it, and I was trying to get the cinder blocks out of the water. And I tell everybody I kept doing that because nobody else would get down in the water until I saw dead animals in the bottom because, you know, the tornado was so horrible. And I was just not feeling right that day. I kept telling my family, I don't, I don't feel so good. And one of my daughters said, Mom, you're pregnant. <laughs> and then my, my eyes just kind of like that, and I was thinking, you know what? It, it could be. And I was 42 at the time. Uh, you know, don't judge. And, and I found out just a couple of weeks later that I was pregnant. and We were very excited. Um, when I was only 16 weeks pregnant, I found out that it was a little boy. And I'd had four girls, so I was ready for a boy. And we were very excited. And I don't know about you, but I was older. I'd never had the money to, to set up a beautiful nursery. And so I told my husband, I want, I want new furniture. I want a nursery for this little boy. And so at, when I was only like 12 weeks alone, we started buying furniture and setting up this beautiful nursery. But I got a call um, when I was about 16 weeks, and they told me, they said, Ms. Trask, your little boy has Down syndrome. And of course, you know, ladies, I don't want to get you wrong. You know, you, we all know when we have a baby, we just want them to be healthy and, and strong, and, and, you know, we want that perfect little child. It, it wasn't that I was scared of the word Down syndrome, but, you know, the future, just thinking of the future. And it just gripped my heart. And I'm ashamed to say I went in and I closed that door on my nursery, and I didn't go back in there. And one day, we went to this small church on a Sunday morning. We went to an early service. It was just a little country church in Trenton. We had not joined a church there yet. And the pastor that morning was speaking on Abraham as he was going to sacrifice Isaac. And he said these words. He said, you know what? If Abraham had not been willing to sacrifice Isaac, 
God, he could not have seen the blessings that God had in store for him. And he said, people, if you're not willing to sacrifice what God wants from you, you'll never see what God can do in your life. And that just gripped my heart because at that time, all God wanted me to do was love this little baby. You know, I was going to have a precious little baby. And I told God that morning, I said, I can do that. That's, that's easy. I can do that. And despite all the negative comments that I'd been getting and, you know, how hard it was going to be and he was going to be sick and all the troubles that he was going to have, I went into my nursery and my family and I put above his bed, fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, and I always think of that song that we sing at Easter Sunday, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. And the Lord just gave me that assurance that this child would be fine, that the same God who took care of Moses and Esther and, and, and Joseph was going to take care of this little baby. And by the way, sometimes the hardest things in our life, what we feel like is the hardest things in our life, turns out to be the greatest blessing we could ever have. Ryan is the joy of our lives. And God knew that we needed him. God knew that he was going to bring us much joy, much comfort in, in, in times to come. But when I think about Ryan, when you, when you read Psalms 139, there's another part of the verse that says that we are curiously wrought. And I started reading about that, and it said it's a picture of a woman who's, who's um, weaving a tapestry. And she's carefully choosing every thread, every color that she wants for that design. And it's a picture that God, when he's working in our lives, he's carefully choosing those things that he wants in our life to fulfill his will in our life. Which, ladies, keep remembering, that will is not necessarily for us to be ecstatically happy and rich and have a nice home and be content and everything and be comfortable. It's to conform us to the image of his dear son so that we can, like, like Miss Francie was saying, take up our cross daily and follow him and be an example for Jesus Christ and win others to Jesus Christ. We had a speaker last Sunday, and he was talking about getting back to the old paths, and he mentioned, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And he said, we've forgotten that, that that is our calling, you know, that we're supposed to take up our cross, follow him, and then he's going to make us fishers of men, and we're going to be able to win others to Christ. You know, I can't understand why I'm in this chair I used to say, I hate this chair. And then God would tell me, Tracy, that chair means you are alive. Um, just to make a very long story short, I ended up breaking uh, my right arm and had to have one of those, what is it called, an exofixator, one of the big metal things around my arm. I had um, ruptured my spleen and, and lacerated my pancreas and broke both of my femurs. And that bone had come from my femur in my leg. That car hit us enough to break my bone Five, it damaged 12 inches, but five inches of it was literally stuck in the dash. Shattered my right ankle, broke my right leg, um, both hips, my, sac I mean, my pelvic bone, my pubic bone. I mean, pretty much from my waist down, I was crushed. And I can remember, they, I, I went into a coma. Um, by the way, I stayed, I stayed alert that whole time I was in the car, and a police officer came to my window, and I said, I said, you know, get my children out of here. I can smell the gas. I could smell the, the smoke. And he said, they're, they're out. And, I, you know, they got them out very quickly. And, and, and then I said, can you get me out? <laughs> and he said, no, ma'am. He said, they're going to have to come and cut you out. And uh, I can remember seeing one of my children. She wasn't hurt as bad, but she, I could see her on the other side of the road. And I thought to myself, this may be the last time that I see my little girl. And when they started cutting me out, I, I kind of went unconscious at that point. And, and they put me in the ambulance in, 
when they put me in, I could, I could tell that my husband was there, and I said, Philip, and he said, I'm here, and I reached for him. He had crushed his jaw and his sternum and his, broke all his ribs, and his hip had shoved back through, his femur had shoved back through his hip, so he broke his hip, and they put us in the ambulance together, and they, we ended up in four different hospitals. Um, they had to just take us where they could. My, my daughter, Jana, has epilepsy, so they sent her to Children's Hospital Atlanta, they took my husband and I, they flew us to um, Atlanta Medical. They took Joy and my little boy to Jasper, Georgia. And then my daughter Leah, who had broken her hip, I mean her pelvis, they took her to Gainesville, Georgia. So my family got the news, by the way, and before they could get down the road, they had already taken us. My oldest daughter was there. She's married, and they would not tell her where they were taking us. So she began calling, trying to figure out where we all were, and the news got to our church people, and they began to scatter and, and go to be with us. But when we got to the hospital, I had lost so much blood, they, they kept me in a drug-induced coma for about two weeks. And ladies, it, when, you, when I was in that coma, you know, I could still hear people around me, even though I could not respond, I couldn't speak. But one of the things I remember, that it was so dark there. I kept telling the Lord, Lord, this is such a very dark place. It was a very lonely place, a very dark place. And it was like the Lord just came to me. And in Psalms it says, you know, if I ascend into the uttermost parts of the hell, thou art there. And it's like he said to me, Tracy, I'm here. I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. It's like those little verses that God had made this reservoir in my heart. And he was bringing them back to my memory in the darkest place I could ever imagine, where I couldn't help myself. And when I first came out of the coma, when they give you these drugs, it makes you have these dreams and you think they're real, they're not real. And they brought an iPad to me and let me speak to my husband. And I told my husband, I said, Philip, I am so afraid. I'm so confused. I'm so afraid. And he said, Tracy, there's times in our life where we cannot trust. Even these doctors can't help us. He said, you just have to rest in the Lord and you just have to trust him. And I held on to that very strongly over the next few weeks to just rest in the Lord. I missed my children. I missed my church. I, I missed my life, but I held on to that, that the Lord is with me. He has me here for a purpose, and he's never going to leave me. Ladies, time is short. Suffering is sure. I wrote down the verses, you know, um, man's days are few and full of trouble. Isn't that what God says? And then it also says, I want to read this verse to you. Let me get to it. Oh, I mean, you might have to get the Tracy Trask version. <laughs> Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. That's Job 14.1 if you're wanting to write that down. But 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Ladies, even if we think we're right in the middle of God's will, we're going to suffer. We live in a broken world. Um, and I don't know where you are today. But God wants to encourage you. He wants you to be a strong witness for him. He wants you to go out of here, you know, wanting to be a more effective witness to him. But what Satan wants more than anything is to discourage you, to make you doubt, like I said, and then get you to a point of depression and, and to be so distressed that you are an ineffective witness for him. And I prayed to God. I said, God, I, I want you to use me. You know, even if it's in this wheelchair... Even if I can't do what I used to do, I want to spend the rest of my days serving you, and I want him to use me. Um, I can't say that it's been easy. You know, one of the ladies was talking last night how, how God intercedes for us. There were days all I could do was lay in the bed and say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me to trust you. 
Give me strength. Just help me through this day. You know, I can remember, I don't know if any of you have ever been on a trauma unit in ICU, and I would lay in the bed, and you can hear people screaming in the hallway. And I would tell the people that came in, please leave the door shut. Because in my mind, I was thinking, is that my husband screaming? You know, is that him? And after a few days after I'd woke up, Dr. Henderson came in. He was the trauma surgeon there. And I was very distraught, and he was telling me, he said, Tracy, we don't know that you'll ever walk again. Even if you start to walk, it'll probably be six months from now when you can go into therapy. And, you know, that just crushed me. And when I started crying, he said, Ms. Trask, you are lucky to be alive. And he said, and you're not out of the woods yet, and neither is your husband. And that was almost too much to bear at that time. I kept thinking of my children at home and my little boy who was only three who needed me. And that's what I kept telling God, you know, God, Ryan needs me. And you know what, ladies, only you have that job to be that mom to your children. Only you have that job to be that wife to your husband. And it can be taken away so quickly. Um, And then that moment I thought, have I been the mom I should have been? Have I been the wife I should have been? Have I taught these girls everything that they need to know about serving God and, and, and giving their lives to Him? But ladies, even though time is short and that suffering is sure, God is sovereign. I tell people the wreck changed my life, but it did not change who God is. He is faithful. Um, I'll end with this. Um, I always ask Philip, you know, are we going to be okay? You know, what are we going to do? And I can tell you this, Philip has never wavered through this whole tragedy. And he'll always look at me and he'll say, we're going to make it with God's help. And he said, we're just going to start right here where we are. At that time, he told the church, he said, if you need to find a new pastor, I don't know how long I'm going to be out, you go find a new pastor. And the church said, no, we are going to stand behind you. By the way, ladies, I saw God's love in action. And we had our wreck in June. Until September, my children never made a meal. I was never alone. My ladies made a rotation, and they stayed with me day and night because my husband told her, don't leave Tracy alone. She doesn't like to be alone in a hospital. Don't leave her alone. And they would stay with me day and night, and they would take turns coming in and out. And like I said, they would have to feed me. They would have to bathe me. They would have to turn me to help me go to the bathroom. And and if you can imagine when your body is so crushed like that, you know, every time they turn me, I would... I would scream, and I would wail, and some of my friends just couldn't take it. You know, they'd be weeping, and, but they would come in and hold my hand, and they would pray with me, and they would read scripture to me, and they would comfort me. And I, I just saw a true outpouring of God's love. They went to my house. They built a ramp. Um, they made sure everything was in order when my husband and I came home. And um, like I said, Miss Tina, my friend last night, Robin, strangers came who were nurses and took care of me every day because... I didn't want to stay in the hospital. I was in Atlanta. My children were in Chattanooga. And they said, well, if you go home, you've got to have wound care. You're going to have to have nurses. So volunteers came and took care of me every day. Miss Hill even came. I I don't know if anybody knows this. She would come and try every kind of therapy she could at least do with me at that time. You know, she would rub my feet and stretch my ankles and try to get me to sit up. And um, just such an outpouring of God's grace and mercy at that time. And um, it just made me, the, the people that were around me just made me want to serve God more, made me want to be a better servant. But anyway, I would always ask God that, and he would always say that um, with God's help that we were going to do it. Um, I don't know where you are today, ladies, but I want to encourage you, don't quit. Trust him. Lean on him. 
Trust his faithfulness, his love, his sovereignty, his goodness, his mercy. By the way, ladies, I was looking up mercy. It's mentioned over 800 times in Scripture. God's mercy to us. Us not getting what we do deserve. And instead, he pours out his grace to us every day. And even when you don't understand how he's working, like Esther. Esther, Esther probably couldn't understand what God was doing. But God was working. Even though she couldn't see it, God was working. And God's working. In fact, he says that it's God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He's working even when you can't see him, even when you can't understand, um, but trust him.